Good morning. This is our community stories time and we've got one area resident who's been here in Blue Earth County, well, I think since the beginning when she was born. And I also have another guest who is with the Historical Society who knows a lot about history. So with me today is Heather Heron from the Blue Earth County Historical Society and Joe Schultz, who has been in Blue Earth County for how many years? Oh, probably 50 at least. I was born raised here, graduated from high school here, and loved history because our building in Mankato has, was in our family 113 years. It's where Mon Pops is now. Oh, was that your home then? That, no, that was my grandma's home, and I worked in the store when I was young. Okay, so long time. And Heather Heron is with the Blue Earth County Historical Society. You kind of are in charge of archives and records, communications. Yeah, um, a lot of fun there. You can find me in the research center. So if you're coming in to do local history or family history research, I'm the one you see. Well, there was a recent article in the Free Press about how Joe uses her scissors for the Blue Earth County Historical Societies. And so I don't know if they've nicknamed you the obituary lady. Kind of, because I've cut thousands of obituaries. All people from Blue Earth County that worked here, born here, lived here, died here, or are buried in the county. Okay, so we're talking thousands of people. When did you start doing that and why? Well, I came to uh, volunteer at the Historical Society in January of 1988. And, but I had grown up in this area, graduated from high school and college here. So, um, of course, I knew a lot of people and a lot of names. And the first thing I noticed at the Historical Society was a lot of people came in doing genealogy. And so we were always looking up somebody's obituary or their farm or something. And that's when I decided they were on book 11, big notebooks. So you mean a book of, <clears throat> of obituaries, obituaries that they saved from papers? Right. And and I just finished up book 19. 119, Joe. 119. <clears throat> 119. So lots and lots of obituaries. Oh, my goodness. So I'm going to ask Heather this. So how normally is are things like this stored? Has it always been paper clippings? I mean, I know microfiche and now with electronics, isn't most most things just done electronically? Um, some places are. Um, we like to say that the power could go out and we could still operate. <laughs> so we could turn on, open the wind blinds, have lots of su sunshine come through. Um, microfilm is, yes, the current preservation standard for newspapers. But the way the system is set up that Joe has helped numerously over the years keep up is if you don't know an exact date on when somebody died as long as you have their name we're more than likely able to find them in our system so um, it's absolutely wonderful we have a two huge card catalogs in the room which so many people will come in and oh I haven't used one of these since elementary school and the way the books are set up, you find the card, it directs you to the book. It's saving so many eyes from going through reel after reel of microfilm to find these obituaries. Well, I, I remember in research days, microfilm is not an easy thing, and it's hard on the eyes, if I recall. <laughs> it isn't fun. So will eventually this information that she's put together be put on some sort of electronic 
device so, since we're supposedly remember when everybody was going paperless <laughs> um so the paper records are going to stay in the room we have done a great indexing system of them over the years so these lists are now available on our website so under the research tab on our website you can find our online indexes and you can find the index before either coming in to do the search yourself or for those who are at a distance they can place orders right through our website okay very very good now joe has been doing this for 30 some years some 30, years 33 or so years as well as clipping items out of the newspaper that people also come in and look for biographical information or something about a park or something about Mankato they want to know or Blue Earth County they want to know. So yes, you there's right down to snippets out of the newspaper where the um, county person who called the newspaper and said, Mrs. Jones visited Mrs. Smith who cares? But the next Well, exactly. Little... That's what I always said because in my parents, they lived in Wisconsin and there was these things like so-and-so had dinner at so-and-so's and you thought, well, I wasn't invited to that. You know, it's like, was did it cause hard feelings sometimes? And I always wondered why they did that. Well, it was the news in the county oh, okay. and so-and-so was sick. And maybe if you were doing genealogy and you noticed he died of cancer and you wondered how long he lived, you could go back and look. And they first talked about him going to the hospital two years ahead of time. Or one lady came in looking for the name of a restaurant in Madison Lake that her grandparents ran. And we thought this is gonna be impossible. And we went back to those little snippets and about those years, here was so-and-so opened a restaurant on such-and-such such a street. They could go right there and find the spot for that restaurant. Do you know where what the name was? I'm just curious. I don't remember oh, now. I don't remember now. Well, that's the thing. We don't do that anymore in newspapers. I mean, maybe still some small community ones do, but a lot of those community newspapers have gone out of business. So do you feel like we're going to be losing pieces of our history, Joe? Very much so. You might know your grandparents' name, but absolutely nothing about them. When I cut up those old newspapers, I found out my grandmother, who ran that store, had a beautiful rose garden behind the store. Well, Mon Pop now has got some picnic tables out there. <laughs> no more roses, but I know she had yellow roses and red roses and white roses and... I could cut that out of the paper and have that information. So was that in one of those society things like um, your your mother had the restaurant and planted a rose garden, something like that? Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, short little snippets here and there. Sometimes there were just fillers in the newspaper about if you're down on Rock Street, drive by Mrs. Enfield's rose garden. Oh. And, of course, they took their horse and buggy and drove by. Wow. Have you noticed how obituaries have changed through the years? Is there any trend or anything, or are they still like they were way back when? I don't think they've gotten shorter, <laughs> but the information in there sometimes isn't. Um, it's a lot of stuff that maybe you would rather have known that he farmed for 40 years and then uh, gave it to his son or something. <clears throat> rather than uh, he went to such and such a church and was the deacon. 
you know, the information isn't as interesting to people a hundred years from now. I hope a hundred years from now they're still looking at those books that we put together. Well, these days, like you said, the things have changed. And how do you think, if nobody's like you doing this, how do we preserve all that? A lot of it is just going to be gone. And, you know, it, it's kind of sad in a way. People don't keep diaries anymore either. That's one thing we've got at the museum. And the very earliest little diary we've got, our precious diary from Parsons King Johnson, who founded Mankato. Really? He had a little oh. book he kept in his pocket, and it says things like, uh, bought hay today for the horses, or, you know, uh, two new people visited. One was an Indian. What year was that then? 1849 or 50. Mankato was founded in 1850. All right. So was there any juicy tidbits there in those diaries? Because I'm I'm just wondering, because that's why some people might not want that to be a part of your <laughs> archives. The juicy ones never make it to <laughs> us. <laughs> no juicy ones. <laughs> or they've edited maybe before. Right. <clears throat> might be a few pages missing. Wow, that's funny. Uh, do you... Um, Recall any interesting obituaries that you've done through the years that made you just go, wow, I can't believe this? Any stories you have, recollections? Well, there was one that I remember that turned out to be an editor's makeup. He made it up, and everybody believed it was an obituary, and it was about this girl that died, and she had on a white dress in her casket with beautiful purple flowers all around her head and holding purple flowers in her hand. And they took the um, casket to the cemetery pulled by white horses. Well, I got that out of the paper, and a few papers later, they were all laughing because it was a joke. Oh, you're kidding. How how long ago was that? Oh, back in the 1880s or Seriously, 90s. so they were little pranksters back yeah, then. Right then. You couldn't always believe everything you read in the paper, just like today. Well, I always wonder that now because, really, who edits your obituary? You know, when you give the information, you give it to the funeral home, so who knows how accurate it is? That's right, and sometimes people get left out. And it's accidental. Sometimes it isn't accidental. It's hard today to know if a woman was ever married. You write MS because you don't know. Um, A lot of times it won't list where they're buried. So I assume they were cremated and somebody's got the ashes up in the closet. (laughs) So you you can't ever go go to a cemetery and find the plot if it's not in the obituary, um, I wish they would say so-and-so is cremated and the ashes will be buried in Glenwood or wherever. Or they're on my fireplace mantle someplace. Right, yeah. right. So you're, I read in the paper you're 89 years old now. I am. So through the years, was it harder to do this job? Because as you get older, as you know, a lot of your friends probably have passed away. How, how did that change? I mean, because you're talking 30-some years ago when your friends are probably in their prime, and now you're at this age, and you've right. probably seen a lot of people go through your scissors. I, I have certainly, <laughs> and I probably could continue to do this, but I thought 
if I drop dead tomorrow, somebody better know how to do obituaries. And we looked for months, and finally Heather sort of coerced Audrey into doing it, and I hope she does it a good 10, 15 years after me. But yes, um, they really need to be clipped every day. If you get behind, it's hard to catch up. So I'm going to ask Heather then, you've recruited somebody to replace Joe Schultz. Just for the obituaries, Joe's being very kind and sticking around to clip the Blue Earth County news while I'm still looking for somebody to do that. Oh, so you are seeking a volunteer. So anybody's interested, what do they need to know? Uh, Please reach out to us at the Historical Society and we'll meet with you, chat with you, kind of go through that we're looking for everything and anything Blue Earth County of interest. Okay, and they need two newspapers. Okay, tell me about that. Yeah, where do you where do your sources? Well, I take the Mankato Free Press. Sure, but often things are back to back. Obituaries are on the back of the article. I have to cut out oh, for the newspaper. Sure. Living at Willowbrook, I can run next door to a neighbor and get the newspaper. When I lived out at Madison Lake, I had to trot down the road to somebody that had a newspaper. So it helps if you have a friend or somebody or you know where you can get that second paper. So at the end of the day, you've clipped the articles you need and you've clipped the um, obituaries that you need. That is a, a lot of a lot of work and dedication. Because how many hours a week were you doing this, Joe? Oh, probably about 20 to 25 hours a month. It varied. Some papers, Monday, hardly anything in it. Saturday or Sunday, I maybe spent a half an hour. Did you ever? I read the paper from front to back every day because sometimes there'd be something of interest where you wouldn't expect to find it. Okay. <laughs> Did you were you ever shocked sometime to see an obituary of a friend or someone that you didn't expect or didn't know they had passed and you're like, "Wow." Yes, yes. Oh. And once in a while it'd be um I kept track of my 1950 Mankato High School class. Sometimes somebody would die in Rhode Island or Virginia and it might not be in the paper till month later and it'd be just two or three lines. But we would know that they were gone. <clears throat> and I know various classes have come in and looked in the card file to see if so-and-so's still alive. Uh, used to be able, you could call a sister or brother in town or an aunt or an uncle. People move around too much now. You're just about doomed trying to keep classes. I was wondering about that. For people maybe have moved away, you may never see an obituary then. So it's sort of like they never existed. You, we lost a few. There were 188 in my class. There was seven or eight that moved away we lost. You don't But know. we are going to have a reunion this year, couldn't last year, for COVID. And we expect <clears throat> probably 15 or so classmates to show up and maybe drivers or, you know, um, That'll be our last one. We're all 89, 90. Well, you never know. Go for 95, Joe. <laughs> right. What do you think? Right. Well, you know, this this is like a total dedication, and you must have obviously enjoyed doing this. Is this just something you, because of your history interest? I was thinking the other day, <clears throat> I suppose I was 9 or 10, when I would sneak my mother's good scissors and cut things out of the newspaper and paste them in a big paper scrapbook. And I remember my mother saying, 
Why are you keeping those scrapbooks? Nobody's ever going to look at those or want those. Well, I threw most of them a few years ago, but in there I had obituaries of friends I had cut out, parents and so on of kids I knew, and they were the ones where we had a gap at the free press, and I took them in and filled a gap. Oh, wow. Of, of some obituaries that we wouldn't have had in the actual paper copies. So, Mother, you were wrong. <laughs> I was going to say, do you want to tell, tell your mom, say, hey, Mom, look, at I, I did do something with these after all. I think that's amazing. It really, it really is. And do you think about your own obituary? Have you written your own? You know, oh, I, yes. I, I've even gone out and talked to different groups and said, write your obituary now. If you don't, your kids won't put in there what you want in your obituary. And there'll be mistakes. They'll have you going to the wrong school or the wrong year. Or You'd be surprised how many kids don't know what year you got married or what grade school you went to. Um, yes, write it now and update it once in a while because, um, yeah, mine won't be the biggest that's ever been in the paper. I thought about that, but I decided I I better stick to having one that was kind of like everybody else's. Well, what was the, the longest obituary that you can recall? Was it a page long? Uh, well, there was one in there the other day that went from top to bottom. Whoa. And that's one of the longest ones. Most of them don't fill a complete one or two columns. I think it was two or three columns from top to bottom. That's probably, um, oh gosh, I bet seven, eight hundred, maybe thousand dollar obituary. That's what I was going to say. In the olden days, you did not have to pay. They were free. They were free. And then I remember when my, uh, I, I think when my sister died, we didn't have to pay for it. And then when my dad died, all of a sudden they're like, well, this will be X dollars. We're like, what do you mean? Don't you just put these in? And the answer was no. So Yes. And I really, uh, at the time, I remember going to the free press and asking Edie Schmierbach was writing them then mm -hmm. and asking Edie, why in the world are they charging for obituaries? And because of that, there's I'm sure there's a lot of them we never see. Right. Um, one of the problems with today's being so careful you don't tell something or mention a name that you shouldn't, there's been a few people that were killed or died that I did not know their name. I had to put them under unknowns. Oh. And hopefully, if anyone ever goes looking for them, they'll know to look in the unknowns. So what do you mean unknown? It was like an accident or something that they didn't list the names, or I, I'm not clear? Somebody somebody killed them, oh. and the paper didn't ever pr printed the name because the person maybe was handicapped or some reason why they didn't put the name in the paper. Sometimes two, three months later, if they're being charged in court, oh, Oh, that's the one. Oh. And then I would go back and make a new card and find the information. And believe it or not, that's the kind of information that people go looking for 50, 75 years from now. Whatever happened to mother's uncle who did such and so? Yeah. And yeah, uh, you know, you try to keep up with that, but it's harder to do all the time. You are a bit of a detective then as well. Um, a little bit. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. 
you know, I was thinking back in the day, I mean, we didn't have all those things. Like a lot of people never went to school and that sort of thing. So I imagine if you look back in the, those 1800s, early 1900s, the things they included were much different. Can you talk a little bit about some of those? Well, wedding wedding announcements or uh, notices after the wedding are hilarious. because From back then? Yes. They, they listed every gift the person got what? at the wedding. Oh, my. Mr. and Mrs. Mrs. Smith left a dollar. Aunt Rosie gave them a pickle dish, and they got an embroidered dish towel from Aunt Mary, and on and on, uh, every last item. And, you know, people didn't have much, but what they gave was, I'm sure that bride probably kept that pickle dish till the day she died. You know, I have to laugh because nowadays, uh, you know, you'd think like it'd make people feel like, I better give a good gift if it's going to be in the paper. Because Mm -hmm. back then, I imagine they maybe felt that way too. Yeah, right. Even though they didn't have much to give. Yeah. Really they gave funny. something, and yeah, imagine a dollar. That that would have been a lot of money, yeah. Back then, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's really amazing. So you must just have fun just going back and and reading that and mm-hmm. just feeling right. like. Right. Uh, I would tell people if you've retired, you know, in the last few years or thinking of retiring, and you just want to spend an interesting day. Go pay the little fee at the Historical Society and wander around and then sit down and look in some of the old information. There's books that'll tell you how big the farm was when your Uncle Harry owned it and, uh, you know, who was the next-door neighbors. There's pictures. You could spend a month just looking at old pictures. And going through the biog files, you know, you you look in there to see if there's anything under your mother's name or so-and-so's name. And here's a clipping of an article, so-and-so went skiing, and and there's a picture of him skiing. You maybe never knew what he looked like. Yeah. So if you're from Blue Earth County, be sure you go in and spend some time just browsing at the Historical Society. I was going to ask Heather, now, this is Blue Earth County Historical Society. Is there quite a range in terms of how and what things you can find at different historical societies? Like you have this here, this this gift that Joe has left with you of all these books. Do other ones have different things, perhaps, or not these things? Um, yes. Every county in Minnesota, we're very blessed in Minnesota that every county has a county historical society. Um, the Blue Earth County Historical Society is very blessed that we have full-time staff who are there that have dedicated volunteers who are constantly in and keeping up a system. Some organizations are just volunteer run, so they might not be open year-round. They might not have somebody who is able to keep up with, okay, well, our building needs a good HVAC system, so they don't have good air conditioning or humidity control in their buildings. So um, some of their records may be curling a little bit. So while every county does have one and somebody is going to enthusiastically want to help you there, um, they're all completely different. Okay, so so if you're doing genealogy, you might not be able to find some things somewhere else, whereas you could find it here, for example, or somewhere else. Maybe they've got more detailed. It just all depends. Yeah. Wow. Is that the most thing people come in to see is is for the genealogy you mentioned? 
Probably, wouldn't you think? For the research center, yes. Um, right now with summer months, um, we're very happy. People are finding us. Warren Street's a little bit under construction. Oh, sure. <laughs> and that's our main entrance. Um, but during the summer, we'll just get people who are through town for um, maybe their kids are playing in some sports tournament. So they're just coming through to look through the museum. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of people who just looking for something cool indoors to do. So we'll come and go through the museum. People will come and look for, they bought a house. They want to know who owned the house before they did. So they'll look in city directories, and we have them all the way back, well, 30, what, two or three, and then those Polk directories. So we've got some real old, old places. But people will research property or houses or farms. Um, That's another reason. Some just come in just to look up maybe like a sports event or something. And those, we don't cut out. There's so many of them that we just don't do much with sports. So they have to sit at the microfiche and go through old newspapers of what they're looking for. Or it might have been a fire or something like that, that, uh, you know, we used to cut those out, but don't don't anymore. anymore. You get to the place where we'd need a new building and then some. So what do you consider important to cut out? Other than the obituaries, what other things, like you mentioned, something's happened so often might be too much? Yeah, stories about people. They go in the biog file. Like feature stories. Feature stories. um, Like the one about you that that is dated uh, from uh, July 12th. I'll bet you that's in there. Oh, that's in my biog file. Along with (laughs) everything else about the store and the infields and so on. Um, people come in to look for a big fire that they remembered mm-hmm. or when the high school class walked out of school and walked down Front Street marching because they wanted a new high school. They were tired of being in Lincoln School. Oh. Uh, you know, big events that you remember that maybe never make the paper and nobody pays much attention to them. Sometimes I'll just cut out a a snippet about somebody's garden. We have a gardening file. Really? You know, a farmer's market. I'll cut out farmer's market. Um, I don't know what people are going to want 100 years from now, but I know what I've looked up the last 100 years. Mm -hmm. So might somebody have a file in there? Like might if I looked up Karen Wright, might there be a file on me? Oh, I'm I'm sure under the W's, Karen oh. Wright is there. I've cut that out different times over the years. Okay, that I mean that may, that's mm-hmm. interesting because if people don't know that, because you know obviously. Mm-hmm. Now we've talked a lot been... about Blue Earth County, but I should also mention we cut Belgrade Township, which is North Mankato, and the oh. other side of the. You know, you might find it at the Nicollet County Historical Society, but people that live in North Mankato go back and forth. They work in Mankato. They go to school in Mankato. They, so Belgrade Township right across the street there, yes, we cut that out. Okay, so you, you include North Mankato as well across then? Across the river. Yeah, well, and like you mm-hmm. said, maybe Nicollet does that as well, so maybe they have double the chance mm-hmm. of finding themselves in there. Right. When you go back, when when were you born in... Were you born in a farm or just a little background about you, Jill? I was born on um, 
Spring Street, the house is gone right by front. But when I was six weeks old, my folks moved to Glenwood Avenue, and I lived in that house 21 years until I got married. So I played up and down in the hills along Glenwood Avenue, and I always wondered why when I looked on the north side of the street where the sun would shine in the afternoon, why there weren't any trees. It was bare on that side. And one day I read in the paper, and I was born 1932, that's depression, that they cut down all the trees along Glenwood Avenue and stacked the wood along the road, and any people that didn't have fuel could go and pick up the logs to put in their uh, cook stoves or whatever they were heating with. No wonder when I grew up that, yeah, there weren't any trees. They were all gone. So the interesting things you could find, that is just amazing. That's that's amazing. And it was supposed to be called Willard's Parkway because Mr. Willard owned a lot of the land along Glenwood Avenue, and he would take his wife and drive up there. In the summertime, if you want to be cool, drive up Glenwood Avenue. It's always the coolest spot in town. I I would imagine there's information you've probably found on why certain streets are named what they are as well. Right, right, yeah. I never, um, well, yes, never knew why Glenwood Glenwood Avenue ends and then Pole Road. Well, next to us living in Glenwood was Elsie Pole, and that was her brother, and there was a big farm there. The house is still there. So when people talk about Pole Road and want to spell it P-O-L-E, I say, no, that's not how you spell Pole Road. <laughs> so, um, yeah, interesting. That's wonderful what you've done. Uh, we're talking with Joe Schultz, who has been, I guess, the obituary lady for the last 30-plus years with the Blue Earth County Historical Society. It's been a delight chatting with you. And thank you for all the work you've done and started for so many people to it's been enjoy. been fun. That's great. What's next for you, by the way? Well, You're sort of retired. I'm sort of retired. <laughs> I like where I live. We play cards, and there's things going on. And, um, yeah, I'm just going to take it a little bit easier. But I read the paper from front to back every day. <laughs> That's wonderful. And, Heather, before we go, if people are interested in knowing more about the Historical Society or volunteering, which you said you have openings for that, what where can they go? Um, they can stop down and see us at the History Center. Our address is 424 Warren Street. Um, right now it's an alley entrance from Cherry Street to get to us. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, beginning of October, they'll be done with construction. Um, you can also visit us on our website at blueearthcountyhistory.com. Thank you both. You have been wonderful guests, and I appreciate your time.